Welcome to the Grow Your Business podcast. Listen in as we discuss all things business, growth, and marketing with business owners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. And now, here's your host, founder of Roundhouse, the creative agency, Saul Edmonds. Oh, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Grow Your Business podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Colette Sultana from Squash Queensland around the topic, why play squash? Colette, how are you going today? I saw them. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. We've got a, um, I'll, do, I'll do a little di- a disclaimer for everyone before we start. Colette and I both play squash and we like squash. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is, so just so everybody knows, this is, this is a, um, a conversation about squash from people who, who do actually really love squash. So, um, but before we get into that and all the various things surrounding um, why we think people should, you know, you should play squash and why it's really great, Colette, could you just let everyone, um, you know, know, just give us a bit of a, a general introductory about yourself and Squash Queensland and, and whatever you'd like to say about that? As yeah, a, as an Intro so everyone uh, gets a bit of an idea of who you are and where you came from and so on. Yeah, no worries. So I'm actually from Europe. So I come from the country of Malta, mm. which is in the middle of the Mediterranean. And I grew up there and lived there till I was about 16. So by that time, I had already started playing squash. I started at about the age of nine. Um, and I started because I had a lot of family members who played. And I used to be a tennis player, actually. And um, one of the things that I liked to switch to was an indoor sport. So I said, oh, let me give this sport a go. So from about the age of nine, at about 16, I actually traveled around Europe and played a lot of the junior tour, which was a big thing in Europe. Um, and that was awesome for me because I got to travel around Europe and, uh, you know, experience a lot of different countries. And then from there, I actually moved to the UK for a couple of years to continue my schooling and to play squash. I went to a boarding school. Mm. Um, my country being very small, beautiful, but very small, um, it was pretty hard to sort of progress my sport in. So that's why I decided to move to the UK. And then following that, I actually went to uni in New York. I went to Columbia University and that was, again, right. able to uh, pursue squash and uh, university at the same time. So I was actually recruited to go to university. Um, after university, I actually was about to start a career in finance and I had a job on Wall Street and was already the sort of say, you know, we'll buy the squash for a little bit and sort of pursue career goals. But as things were, um, my visa actually wasn't allow, um, allowed anymore in the States. So I had to come back home and to Malta. And that was when I sort of stood back and, and evaluated what I wanted from my life. And um, squash still formed a huge part of that for me. So I, um, I had a coach back in Malta at the time. His name is Brad Hinder, who is my current coach still. Mm-hmm. And, and Brad sort of said to me, look, give squash a go and see how you go if you train and um, spend some time actually focusing on squash alone without having work and other things going on. And, and that's what I did. So I did that and I actually played the Commonwealth Games um, in, on the Gold Coast. So that was how I actually first came to Australia as an athlete at the Com Games. Right. And yeah, so from there, then I, I decided that I loved the country and I wanted to stay. And, I, and Brad actually happened to be moving as well. So he was, as my coach, he was moving here to Australia. Yeah. And I sort of said, look, do I want to give it a try and see if I can play squash in Australia and see how that goes? And that was in 2018. So I actually moved here at the end of 2018. Yeah, so really recent. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've only been here a couple of years. And then... I mean, I, I did play squash for a while, just play squash. And then it came to a point where I did need to sort of look at other things that I wanted to do in Australia. And that's how the opportunity to work for Squash Queensland actually came about. So they, I mean, they've been a voluntary organization for quite some time. They've been running for over 80 years. But more recently, I think they had employees many years ago, but more recently they've been completely voluntary based. Mm. And I think it came to a point where everybody sort of saw the need to have somebody working and, and actually doing, you know, some more work to advance Washington Queensland and the opportunity was open. So that's how I, I applied and now I'm here. So I've been actually working here for about a year now. It's been just a year in, in July. Yeah. So I've been working uh, for Squash Queensland. I basically work under a board and pretty much I'm the only one who, who works as an employee. So yeah, so it's pretty full on. There's a lot of work to do, but it's all it's all good stuff. I mean, it's all stuff I enjoy. And as I said, I still play squash and I still enjoy it. And I think 
because it's something so close to my heart. It's um, it's such an enjoyable role to have. So I'm I'm very fortunate to be able to have had sort of this progression going into professional sport and then coming out and sort of being able to still be within my sport. I think that that's something that I'm very lucky to have. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like the th- it's it's anyone anyone who can who can work and you can make a living or you know participate at any kind of level with something that you really love is is you know I think that's great because it's certainly not something that everybody has too, especially with um I mean you're probably like I I don't know too many people I don't know about you but I don't know too many people who play squash who aren't kind of passionate about squash you know that's odd and i'm not sure i've never really worked it out or or um bothered really to analyze it too much because it just it just is but it seems to be one of those kind of activities something about the nature of it or maybe the combination of um you know of the physicality and the strategy and the kind of mindset maybe that attracts people that um yeah i don't know what you think but it's it seems to um it seems to engender like a a certain zealousness you know to be like you know really zealous about it in like a great way i know like other people obviously with other other sports are too but yeah i mean i think there are a couple of things that i can think of um squash as a beginner and as an intermediate player is actually really easy to play I think it's a great sport for that reason. But if you go to the top level, it becomes a point where it's actually a very, very difficult sport at the high level. And I think, as you said, that's what makes it sort of, you've got to be very, very passionate and and love it to actually pursue it to a certain level. And it becomes very hard to improve. It becomes, the the difference has become so small, yet there's just so much to learn. It's, you know, it's one of those kind of contradictions, which is interesting. But I would say, I think one of the reasons we have less players as well is just because it's such a small sport. There's actually not much money in in the sport. And that makes it really, really hard to continue with full time. You know, if, if, Mm. if you're giving up your life for a sport and you're not actually making enough money to live, it's going to be very hard to pursue. And I think probably until you get to the top 16 in the world, it's very, very difficult to make a living from it because it's so small. It doesn't have an, you know, as much um, publicity and sponsorship that it's almost like if people don't give up by then, you know, it, it's, they have to make hard choices. They yeah. must stop it, but you also have to live. So I think that's one of the reasons why you've got to be really, really good and really love it to do it for the love of the sport. And then when you get good, you'll make, you'll make money. But until then it's purely based on tenacity and passion for it uh, to be able to get to that point. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like, yeah, there's like, I mean, yourself too, like you're then involved in squash Queensland. There's other, you know, there's other, avenues too for many people in in sports and like yourself like with your own own story because you do you coach then also don't you yes so I actually I have a coaching qualification and I'm here part of my role here is actually as well as a coaching role and so I've, I've had the opportunity to do a lot and I think part of what I love about squash is the uh the techniques and the the pure theory of it, I actually really enjoyed that as well as the match analysis. So you get people who just play, you know, and I, I actually enjoy the physicality of it, for example. And, you know, so, but I think because I love the theory and the, the technique, then for me, coaching is actually really enjoyable because I go really deep yeah. with all the differences and the match analysis and the off-court coaching and things like that. So, yeah, so there's a lot of parts to it and coaching has helped me a lot in my own game because I understand things a bit more than I would before. Um, and also, yeah, has, uh, has helped me sort of share what I like and what I, what I see in the sport with others as well. So, yeah. Is, is there a connection? Because um, I see straight away, like you speaking about it in that sort of way, I can see like, because you, um, you mentioned before you were, um, uh, went to, um, to university and you were going to pursue a financial career. Do you, have you ever like um, reflected on the fact that there's sort of certain similarities in, in a mindset about that industry that you were going to go into and, and squash, you know, in, 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 in like how you think about squash, I suppose. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a very much of a personality thing, you know, sort of what you find interesting and what you what challenges you. So for me, the detail has always been something that, you know, has been fascinating and I've enjoyed and I actually think is one of my strengths. And I think when you go into a career, a career like finance, you've definitely got to know your theory and definitely be very detail oriented. And I think in squash, that also translates to what I actually enjoy as the aspects of the game that I prefer. So I definitely think there's a, um, a similarity between that and it's very much linked to the kind of person I am. And I, yeah, I think it makes sense. Yeah. I think it's like, um, for me though, too, like I've, I've always, I've always kind of um, found it interesting that a number of the people that I've, I've played with, like obviously not everyone because squash attracts people from all different walks of life, but I've met because our, our industry being in the digital industry and the, and the IT related industry, there's, I've met like a lot of people too, who have, who work in that industry, who play squash, which isn't, you know, saying that that attracts specifically those sort of people, but there is sometimes I find there's like that certain attraction to um, like a mathematical, like either a, a mathematical approach or the fact that so much about angles too, it's about like, you know, it's a game of sort of angles and strategy. And I guess like uh, some people have, you know, talk about it in terms of like the sport version of chess where you maneuver, you know, into a position, but, you know, then it's very much about the angles in the court and yeah. that, and there's a certain sort of similarity that I've always uh, and I'm not sure exactly how to quantify it, but, you know, from a visual point of view, because um, I I often see things when I'm thinking about them. I, I see them in a uh, a visual sense, not in in terms of like I'll I'll see something happening when I'm playing. Like I sort of get excited about the fact that you have to strategize in real time. You know that you have to. That's a big attraction to me that you have to deliver kind of in the moment. But seeing things, a pattern of how you're going to do something just in a, a visual way that it's got to go like like this, you know, and that's how kind of I I visualize it in my mind when I'm I'm playing. It's yeah. obviously really different for everyone. Like some people, you know, hard hitters, some people do this and that, but, you mm. know, there's so many different ways to play it too, I guess. Yeah, and I think, it, and again, it depends on what your strengths are and what kind of person you are. You've got the people who can be, you know, who can pick up anything and they're fit and they can keep going and the people who can hit it really hard. And then I think I'm a lot like you in that I really think that the tactical side is very, very important and a big part of my game. And I mean, I think a strength as well at, you know, sort of aligned with the kind of person I am and the way I think very similar to you that the patterns that you play, the visualization of where you're putting your opponent, what positions you're making and where you're putting the ball on the court, what angles you're using, all these things. I think some people think less of them than others. And it again comes down to what you, you know, what your strength is on the court um, and what you enjoy. Because I, I as, as we said before, we both yeah, that's right. that tactical element of making the other person, you know, really think and really move and these, you know, making it hard for them to get to the ball and what changing direction and showing one thing, doing another, holding the ball. There's so much that you can do to, you know, make it giving spin on the ball. You know, there's things that people don't, some people don't even do, but they're very good at other things, you know? Mm. So I think it comes down to a lot to the game types as well. Even at the higher levels, you see different kind of players. Um, and obviously if you've watched enough squash, that's something that you can pick up. And it, it's super, super cool to see, you know, that people can be good yeah. and be good at so many different things. So it's... Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, like, have you, um, like from, say, reasons, if you were to say to somebody, um, like as, as obviously the podcast is, is about, you know, I guess why playing squash, like we know why we're playing squash and so do all the other squash players in the world. But if we're talking to, you know, if you're saying to somebody um, who's even like many people in Australia have played squash, like stacks of people that played squash in the past and enjoyed it. But if they haven't played and, you know, if there's different, you know, core reasons, you mm -hmm. know, if you as like a, a squash advocate was to say, here's, here's some really great reasons like for getting into squash again, what would you say? 
Yeah, I think there are plenty, actually. I think one of the most sort of straightforward and important ones is that to play squash, even at a beginner level, there's not much that you need. So it's not something that you need to invest a huge amount of money in and a huge amount of time in because pretty much the first few hits that you'll have, you'll actually be able to have a game um, straight off the bat. Some people can actually hit the balls right right from the first hit and it's not that hard to be able to just hit the ball around and get into a rally and actually get a workout so even in the very beginning you know there's not much time invested to actually get a good a good workout so that's the you know just you can i've seen a lot of people actually just walk into the squash center it's the first time on on the court and they're actually running around and hitting the ball and and they're enjoying it because you don't need much you know so I think that's one of the biggest things. And then obviously, even from the fact that a very short um, amount of time gives you a lot. So unlike other sports where you need a couple of hours to actually get a good workout, in squash, 45 minutes usually gives you a really good runaround. Yep. And I think in busy lives, I think that's something that people really think about because you know, if you've got an hour for your lunch break or whatever, or your own physical activity, then you really want to make the most of it. Sure. And I think our sport is awesome for that reason. Um. It's a good sport. You obviously can play it inside. Um, as I said, financial commitments aren't too hard. You can definitely rent a racket from a club. Um, and yeah, and I think it's uh, definitely, there's a lot to learn. And you can, you can either be as basic as you want and just go and have a laugh and enjoy it and keep it at that. Or if you want to get better, you can really put a lot of time in and there's so much to learn. So it's really open to all ages. We have people actually playing over the age of 80. People still play yeah. in the Masters tournament, which I think is amazing and very, very... It is amazing. Yeah. And then you get, you know, even young kids who can, have, can use bigger balls, big, soft, bouncy balls, and they're, you know, they're playing squash in their own way. So it's such a sport that's basically adaptable to a lot of different people. Uh, and I think that's one of the best things about it too. Yeah. I think actually one of the things that I, I still marvel at is that I, I, I can't really think of too many sort of activities where you'd be able to play um, against like much older players, like you were saying too. And they're like, you know, exceptionally good and you're on, on par and, and with a, with an older, with people who are older, younger and their skill level is here and you're here, but you're fitter, but you can actually still have like a, a, like a very, very tight, game and there's obviously grades and things too to separate people off but you know partially i suppose to do with the fact that you know there's less people playing so there's the there's less grades but at the same time you've got this this sort of uh it seems to be a very equitable sport for me it's always it's always seemed like that mm-hmm. you know um yeah. and and even even in the kind of in the world of professional sports i mean i'm 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 not sure what you think about this but i've always found it kind of it stands out very much in terms of like the age-old thing about if you've got um male and female sport there's still a pretty large divide often in terms of like you know prize money but in squash that's not really the case like it doesn't i seem to be the case really like when you look at um the pro I'm sort of ranks, which is like, I mean, where people can, you know, earn their living. It mm-hmm. seems, it seems from my observations anyway, it always seems to be pretty much the same, which yeah. I think is, seems to be quite rare in the world of sport. I think um, this was something that the PSA, which is the Professional Sports Association, um, sort of really thought about over the past few years. Uh, it used to be actually a split association. The women's and the men's used to be completely separate. Mm. But recently they've merged together and there's been a huge movement by the PSA um, to actually make the bigger tournaments um, equal in prize money. So if you've got a world championship, got, you know, a huge platinum level event, then the prize money is equal um, because you've got the same number of women in those draws, the same matches played. You do, we do have the situation where there's a lot more men's events on the smaller end. So the smaller tournaments, um, there's a lot more men's event, but, that would make sense because there are a lot more men's players on, at that, you know, on, on sure. the depth of the rankings. So there has to be more events. But when it comes to the actual higher levels where, you know, people are putting in the same amount of time, they're playing the same, you know, the same kind of, of um, 
length of matches and things like that. And I think that that warrants, you know, sort of the, the equal prize money. So that's something that the PSA have done so well in, in getting to that point. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about like the, 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 is that uh, I'm not sure who actually quoted this, but you hear this, hear this around too, that um, was quoted by some organization or person that squash is as, as far as in the world of sports, the, the kind of healthiest overall of all sort of sports. Um, yeah, I think it was, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was Forbes or, or one of the big, yeah, yeah. They, they classified as the, the healthiest sport a couple of years ago. And look, I think, I think they're, they're onto something. I mean, I think squash is definitely uses a lot of different types of, um, sort of different fitness elements. So you've got the cardio part, right. Which means that you're obviously, uh, strengthening your heart and your organs. And, and I think that playing for the, that amount of time under that pressure actually strengthens the abilities that your body is able to handle. You've got the fat burning element. Obviously, if you're doing that much cardio, it's a great way to lose weight. And because of then the muscle work that actually squash entails, um, you're actually getting a lot of that kind of hit, um, high intensity interval training um, similarity, which is actually known to be one of the healthiest forms of exercise. So I think those are three of the main reasons why squash has been kept sort of calibrated as the one of the healthiest sports, but also on the other hand, because of its um, risk of injury and because of its lower risk of injury, I think it makes it as well from that part a bit less risky uh, to play. So yeah, so it balances out to be, I think it's, it's the healthiest sport. Um, and you know, but I'm a biased as you said before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. That's okay for us to be biased. That's what the podcast is all about. It's better. <laughs> us being biased and talking about something that we love. So, but the, but the, um, I think the thing too, like doing, like coming from also um, doing martial arts too, like flexibility has always been like a really big thing. And I, I think I personally only as, as I've been um, improving, I've, I've then in squash in terms of the whole, scheme of fitness and what things are become more important as you do it more, I found then being more and more flexible and, you know, and sort of um, strong has become more important to me too, because I've, you know, thinking about being a certain sort of player, I've realized that I really have to be a lot more flexible, you know, to be able to, um, you know, play the ball in the way that I want to and, you know, that kind of keeping up a certain energy level as well, I suppose, because like we were saying before, playing against a different sort of player, I mean, some go hard like for five games and they're, you know, and then you have to work out how to beat them because you're never going to wear them down Mm -hmm. to play another way. But, you know, you can, there's so many different ways to um, to play the, um, the sport too. Yeah. But in um so say like in in your role um currently in squash Queensland, like where do you um, sort of currently see I know this is I'm still I guess relatively new, but where do you sort of see I guess squash Queensland and maybe more more broadly speaking, squash in Australia where it is now and where it's you know maybe moving towards because we all I guess like a lot of people might know that even if they're not playing squash right now that squash used to be a lot more popular you know it was a lot in I guess um, 70s and 80s so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably up until the 90s um, the 80s was the big peak and then up until the 90s the squash numbers were very high in Australia we actually had um, probably eight out of the top 10 of the women of the men's um, professionals were all Australian in the world rankings. So you had a very high level of squash and you had very high numbers of players. Um, And then probably since about 2000, that has changed. I think a lot of players actually, um, when they retired, they went overseas and they coached overseas. And I think it wasn't a situation where they preferred to stay in Australia and kind of reciprocate that forward for whatever reason there. So I think we're at the point now where we're literally probably at the, a trough of the of the graph where you know we're 
we've got a few players, but there's a big generational age gap, I think, between probably the age of 20 and uh, the age of 35. There's very few people in that age group that actually... Yeah. So we're, because now since, you know, for probably about five to 10 years, squash has been improving and, and, and numbers have been improving. So we've got a substantially, you know, quite a significant uh, junior community. I think that's going really well. So that's anyone under the age of 18. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's growing. I, look, we're definitely in a growth stage. I think having somebody in Queensland, as I said, it was run on volunteers in the past and, uh, sort of in the past 20 years. And I think that that made it a little bit difficult to actually have sort of methods in place and strategies and promotional aspects and marketing actually done for the sport if you've got nobody really doing this as their full-time role. So I think that's one of the reasons that that, that that was a little bit, you know, lower for Queensland over the past five to 10 years. But I think now that somebody's here and our board, we actually have an, a board that um, is very new and they're made up of, a li- of very different uh, perspectives and experiences. And I think that they've definitely brought forward a lot of perspectives that can help um, push squash forward. So they've, a lot of them have come back from overseas. They're Australian. They've come back from overseas and they've seen the growth in other countries and sort of what that took. Because we're, we're back again at, at the trap, as I said, where we really got to think about growth. You know, we're not in a position to be, we're good. We're not at all. We're, we're working and working and building. So that's really where we are. And uh, I think having this board um, and sort of having somebody in the role, I think is, is the way forward. And look, we're working, we're, we've got a lot of initiatives coming up this year. We've, we're trying to, first of all, provide more value to the people who are actually playing. Mm. Because I think... We can't just think about getting new people and not think about the people we have. I think the people we have have to keep enjoying it and have to keep finding value in the sport and in us as an organization. And then looking outwards to other people, I think that's sort of, we've actually just rebranded to Squash Queensland from our previous name. Um, and we're looking at really pushing forward the marketing and the just the awareness of how easy it is to play the sport and how much fun it could be really. So I think that could be, that's, that's one of the ways we're pushing it forward. And then also forming relationships with other organizations that in the past had separated from us for one reason or another. So sort of reestablishing that connection and really working with them to, you know, pick, pick, pick and help and support more players, um, whether it's, you know, whether they don't want to associate with us because of the past, but sort of approaching them and understanding their needs and understanding how we can actually be of value because that's how people come, you know, if you can give them something they want and that they're looking for, then they'll come and they'll, they'll give it a go. So that's really what we've been working on. And I think the schools is definitely a huge part of where we see our progress as well, mm-hmm. being there to support, because we've got a very good schools event that's run by um, a separate organization at the moment and just being able to have relationships with these kind of people and, you know, and go to schools and, and start to recruiting the kids and showing them what our sport is about. And then that's how, that's how it goes, you know? So, yeah, so there are a few projects in the pipeline. I think it's quite mm-hmm. exciting, but we're definitely, definitely in the building stage at the moment for squash in Queensland. I would say in Australia too, to be honest. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I haven't been here long enough to know exactly what the other states are, sort of what they're up to, but I think it's a very similar position. Uh, it's a really big building phase at the moment. Yeah, I, I often, um, uh, I guess once again, this is from um, yeah, people who actually play squash who who think who who think and know through through playing of it and doing it for a long time that it's a very dynamic and visually kind of interesting sport. But I, I, you know, some of the comments you. Uh, well, I've heard in the past, I'm not sure whether this is the case anymore, but, you know, when people don't necessarily understand a sport, which would apply to many sports, I suppose, like if, you, if you're not interested, you're probably not going to be watching it. But because we live in such a, a visual sort of society now and, and people are, I suppose they have other, they have so many things other things drawing their attention away like other sports yeah. and other other activities and other things that aren't even sport related that mm-hmm. I um I have always been really interested like I'd say with organizations like um or those like um 
um, squash TV and the PSA, like there's obviously I'm not aware of the, the bigger picture, but there's always seems to have been a very large amount of effort put into enhancing the visual um, presentation of mm-hmm. how it's it's put out there to people in terms of like how the courts look and you know and other angles and improving like the um, the videography and all that sort of stuff. It's all all sort of plays plays a part. I guess in that too, but it's such a um, a dynamic, interesting sort of sport. But I mean, it's like anything; like it all, you know. Much of this does come down to how you, whether you want to call it selling an idea to people, mm-hmm. or just even just in enhancing. You know, everyone who's in the thick of it knows how great it is, but yeah. it's. I guess a level of education too, which is like what you're saying that at at grassroots levels in schools and with, mm-hmm. you know, um, juniors, I suppose like any sport, it kind of almost has to start from there, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it definitely has to start from there. And I think in relation to what you were saying about sort of making squash more viewable and more enjoyable to view, I think the the glass court has been revolutionary in that in that aspect because going from, you know, you and I who love squash, we'd watch a good squash match on a normal four-wall court court that's not a glass court because we enjoy the squash. But I think having these glass courts, you know, on these beautiful locations and attracting people who wouldn't usually have visited, but they see this thing in the middle of, you know, in the middle of a square. And and it's like, why are you in the middle of the town square? You know, and then they see it's a squash court and there are athletes on there. And, oh, what are they doing? You know, you sort of get that kind of intrigue that comes with being in a place where people are walking past. Or, I mean, the TOC, the Tournament of Champions, is held at Grand Central Station. So you get thousands of people walking past, right? And they're thinking, well, what's this thing in the middle of the station, you know? And and I think the fact that they stop and they have a bit of a watch, you know, and then, oh, that's squash. And, and then from there, you sort of get, you know, you pick their interests. So I think it's been, obviously, the videography and the way that they're filming it, the lights, the interactive squash that they've sort of softwares that they've come up with I think they all add a huge part to sort of making the sport a little bit more attractive and sort of more likely to pick you know pick someone's interest I think that's a huge part of it because as we said we we love it you know we'll watch it any day but really making it stand out and and getting more people to appreciate it has been I think something that they've done super well in I think it was also part of the movement that was happening um for the 2024 we we're trying to get into the Olympics so yeah. of course, for those who don't know squash is not in the Olympics yeah um, I was going to bring that up actually a bit later <laughs> on yeah but since you bring it up we can talk about it there yeah well I think um that so that's unfortunately you know something that we've been trying to the change and the Paris 2024 games are actually a great opportunity for us to do that because we, France is a very strong sport, uh, squash, it's very yeah. squash. So we thought that that would be, you know, one of the biggest incentives to have <laughs> squash in those games. But unfortunately we were not successful. Um, but even leading up to that um, campaign, it was, I think, the videography, the changing of the courts and the way that it's spectated was definitely something that, um, PSA and General Squash World Squash Federation was working on to you know make it make it give it a good chance. Um, so we've reaped the benefits from that, but unfortunately, we're still not an Olympic sport. <laughs> what do you think? Because I, I I still I still ponder about that. I mean, I've I've heard various people you know debating why and this and that, but it's I I still it still just feels like there's like just something i i can't still work out why when it's it's such a a widely played sport it's got such you know universal appeal it's played in so many countries like it ticks every single box in the olympics and um like taking nothing away from like other sports that have like i guess jumped ahead of squash as as like they deserve to be in there yeah as as much as any other sport does but It, it it's been it's been such a long and widely played sport have you got any thoughts as as to why that's the case like why it's yeah i mean this is obviously my personal opinion so the way that i yeah. i think that you know is the reason behind it is definitely spectators number of spectators and number of tickets being sold so obviously if you're going to look at taking out a sport 
to put squash in instead of it, there's really not many sports that you can remove that would actually have less of an appeal or less of a, a spectator sort of seat capacity kind of opportunity. So unfortunately, squash is not as popular as many, many of the other sports that are in, in the Olympics. And yeah. even to be able to seat as many people, you can seat quite a lot of people, but still, you know, having a huge stadium, a huge pool, a huge... Yeah, like a bit of a numbers game. It is definitely a numbers game, I think. And I think more recently, we were actually in competition with a few of the smaller sports who were shortlisted to go back in. And, and I mean, we were all shocked to see the sport they chose. But I think that it came down to having something more trendy, something more that people didn't expect and sort of introducing maybe a little bit of a, I guess trendy is the word, trendy element to the Olympics, you know, with having something like, I'm not sure, I think it was skateboarding, was it skateboard or that? that Maybe BMX, wasn't it? Yeah. I think, yeah. So it was something that's not traditionally known to be part of the Olympics. Yeah. Um, yeah so, you know, and that's, that's what they picked. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like it'll, it'll, you know, I can't see it not being in the games at some point. But then again, you know, it, it's been it's been a long time yeah. of sort of coming. And I mean, if it's if it was anything like um, what the introduction of taekwondo, which I used to do, um, when that was introduced into the two thousand games in Sydney, what that did for you know, for the sport and, and, and for the art, which was huge, you know, it raised the profile like here in Australia, you know, massively. It was like a really big thing. Like it's obviously a game changer for many sports, you know, to raise on the profile, which isn't, isn't any surprise. It's the, it's the Olympic games, you know, so you have like a huge worldwide audience. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the more famous quotes from not quotes, but sort of sayings from, our top athletes in squash is, um, I know Nicole David had said that she'd give up, I think, seven of her world titles for one Olympic gold medal. I remember that, yeah. Gold medal actually means that she would be willing to give up her world number one, you know, her world titles for that. So, yeah, it's definitely, there's definitely, uh, you know, sort of aura, sort of reputation and, and prestige that comes with the Olympic Games. I think that, you know, obviously we're not able to feel, but maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, no, so I think actually, I think, um, I don't think Remy Ashur said like the same sort of thing, but I remember him saying um, sort of something similar, not specifically about like, you know, giving up his world. I'm sort of told because it was because he and um, Nicole and David were doing kind of the main push like for the advertising campaign, weren't they? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. There was a, I think it was about a year, couple of years, at least over a year, um, campaign to actually travel around the world and, and expose squash and sort of increase the awareness and the knowledge about it. And, uh, yeah, as, as two of the high profile athletes, they were, um, I can't think of the word at the moment, but yeah, they were definitely the representatives for squash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of, in many ways, you couldn't get, you know, greater people to do that either who are like such good players and such, you know, really nice kind of people too, like great sort of representatives for yeah. for the sport. You great know. ambassadors, that was the word, ambassadors. Totally. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and just really nice people and they speak really well and, you know, excellent at sort of what they do. So, um, yeah, I was going to, that's, that's interesting you brought that up because I actually had that as one of my things that I wanted to talk about. But, you know, um, at, at this point, instead of time, too, let's just talk um, locally too about like you. I um, you're obviously um, involved in, in um, squash Queensland, but what do you do as far as squash in terms of like locally in uh, Brisbane? Um, what do you, what do you mean? Sort of what do you? Mean? Oh, like what do you like in terms of you playing and like you know, participating at like the club level? Okay, yeah. So, I mean, we've got a number of levels. I think one of the biggest things about Brisbane that is uh, that is awesome is that we've got, you know, a lot of different programs and recruitment um, possibilities at the beginner grassroots level. But then we've also got sort of development and um, social kind of leagues that happen. And I think they happen all over Queensland. But I think Brisbane, just because there's more population density, there's a lot more people and 
there's a lot more ability to do that. And then you've obviously got the higher level, you've got the fixtures, you've got the elite programs, and that's part what I, I do personally as well. I'm part of the elite programs and um and I also play fixtures. So it's it's awesome to be able to have fixtures and social play and also competitive play at mm. basically all levels. So you've got beginners league that we have, um, and also we've got, you know, the higher end. Queensland Premier that's played out of Brisbane, but it's called the Queensland Premier. And um, <laughs> it's obviously got, you know, ex-pros, it's got aspiring pros. So, you know, I think it's, um, and this is all over Queensland, but as I said, because we've got more people in Brisbane, we, we seem to have a little bit more um, numbers here. Mm. So, yeah, we, we, we work with, in terms of squash Queensland, we actually have four regions. So we've got Northern, Southern, Brisbane and central region and that helps us actually manage the state a little bit better because obviously we're so big um, and actually having contacts in all the four sort of big parts of Queensland helps us um, you know help and support the communities that are very different so a situation in Brisbane is very different to a situation in central region where you've got more dispersed clubs more local in-house play um, and then you have obviously the bigger clubs that have the bigger events even within that region. So I think, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a good way of managing things a bit better. I think having such a big state, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. As, as someone then who's seen um, a couple of different, I guess, types of perspectives to squash management and people playing squash overseas then too, what, what things that you've, I guess, personally experienced have have you observed have been working really well for um i guess even just at a local level but for the sport overseas that you've kind of liked and thought work really well Mm -hmm. so i can say one of the things that the united states have done um which i think has grown their numbers incredibly is because of the way that squash is and sports actually is part of their Ivy League college education and university admissions process and such an important part of the university life that actually created an incentive for kids to actually be pursuing sports. Now, of course, you pursue sport because you enjoy it, but if there is also a chance that you could get into a university, you know, similar to what I did and actually study and play sport at the same time, that gives you a lot more incentive to maybe push a little bit harder, you know, get a little bit better and more kids will actually start playing. Parents are more interested in in investing that time for their kids. So Mm. I think one of the things that here we don't have at the moment is actually squash within our university sport. And we used to have a university sport competition that's no longer happening, unfortunately. Um, And that's part of the national body's sort of problem there. But I think one of the things that we look at here in Queensland is, is hopefully in the future coming up with a Queensland university link to squash so that's something again it's not in the immediate future but definitely in the pipeline to you know have that there and then that first of all facilitates people in their in their young 20s young uh, late teens who want to start squash at that age but also incentivizes from a younger level um the possibility of pursuing sports and and having that option right of because becoming a professional athlete is um, mm. it's a very, very difficult thing to commit to and to do. But if you know that you're you know, at the point where you can still keep playing the sport you love and you can continue your studies, and that keeps people playing, you know, because a lot of people actually give up the sport even at, after their junior years. So that's also something we've seen and we've kind of have to think about how we're going to keep these players in the sport because they enjoy it but they don't have time, but why don't we make time by making it part of your university program? And, you know, so there's a lot of things that I think that's one of the things I've seen in the States is actually grown their numbers immensely. They used to be one of the smallest countries in squash. They didn't, Mm. you know, have any sort of squash popularity at all. And now things are absolutely turned around for them. They've got very, very good number of players. They've got a lot of people invested in the sport, a lot of, even outside investors coming in and sponsoring their tournaments. And it's just grown the awareness and just eagerness for people to be part of it and to put money into it. And it's not just about money, but that's how you're actually able to fund your programs, right? That's how you're able to actually get. That is still a big part of it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, regardless. Yeah. It's not why we play the sport, but we almost need a bit of investment to be able to get things going. So yeah, I think um, I look to them as one of the, one of the, 
countries that has changed a lot for the better. Uh, yeah, like. I think that's a really it's a really interesting point. You know, even even at a core cultural sort of level with with education and at schools too, because there's a lot of I mean, our programs have been in many years, like for students, especially, um, well, in in sort of senior, like uh, years 10, like people who want to go down a certain path that want to go into trades, like they'll go to TAFE and they'll have a, a bridge over to like another path. And I yeah. think, you know, especially considering that sport is such a such a rich and big part of Australia's cultural sort of life just in general like it's massive it's huge of course everywhere but especially in australia you know australians are sport crazy and always have been and you know and obviously where it was like squash was huge like we were saying before like for a long time it was you know we were kind of one of 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 the strongest um, sort of squash nations in the world really Mm -hmm. and it was a big part and it would it would be like fascinating to see and i don't like sort of see, you know, there's obviously some barriers to that, which include, you know, funding and support and and sometimes just sort of leadership to get things kind of, you know, started. But it does make a lot of sense. And I, I have actually, I've always kind of thought it was really funny, oh, not like a ha-ha funny, but, you know, funny that there's there's all these really big tournaments in the world of professional squash that are, you know, in the United States, but and the United States is such a um, sort of relatively, um, you know, less um, less prevalent overall in the overall rankings, but there's such support over there. And I've always wondered yeah. why. And that um, yeah. some of what you were saying kind of answers that. It makes a lot of sense. There's this core underlying support for it, but tying it into into something else because yeah. it's like yeah i guess it's like um you know what what happens a lot say in the world of kind of like martial arts like you there's always this focus um of reaching first and and getting your black belt it's a big deal right and so that's always the focus but there's not not so much in the club that I was a part of there was a, the quite a high high retention rate for people then going further, but it's almost like a mental shift that people have to make. Plus, you know, having support then to go like your goal was like to get to black belt, but really the bigger goal and so much more, you know, interesting stuff happens after that. And sometimes you just, you know, it's like with squash too, anything sometimes you just need somebody to kind of tell you that yeah yeah and 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 not just go well like you've achieved this goal it's over now you know and there's no more you know all that other stuff is there but mm. there's no one just to give you like a bit of a nudge almost kind of sometimes mm. and just go actually you're pretty good at this and why don't you do it a little bit more and then you know it just kind of grows um from there yeah, I think the the places that have, you know, that more of a social kind of aspect and also the fixtures aspect, that's pretty easy to see for squash. You know, if you're a beginner, you can, you know, you can see what you, you know, if you keep playing, you can see, okay, this is the kind of matches that I'm starting to have. Okay, this is look what it gets to, you know. So I think being able to have a lot of different people play the sport and actually being able to see what it looks like maybe not a professional level but a couple of grades above you you know so they're thinking okay i'm happy i can still play socially if i want but look the fixtures comps coming on later oh look at that guy you know you know just sort of seeing how you can progress if you want to and if you don't want to you can still play for fun so i think having that kind of exposure and a lot of the clubs in um, at least in our area and i know in other parts of queensland they run similar kind of comps sometimes it's in-house only but that still means you've got different grades right and people can see and, and have a chat and say oh i didn't know that and you know and they talk and they become friends and you don't necessarily have to you know have seen them before but people are generally very good in squash with community wise they're always very happy to have a chat and sort yeah. of meet you and I think it's a part of the advantages of being a small sport is that it's quite a tightly knit community, which I love about it. True. Know? Yeah, that's so very think, true. 
yeah, I think there's definitely some benefit to that as well. <laughs> yeah, and you've got this, you know, you have that, that I guess, small group of people plus the environment lends itself to that too because you're not then spread out over a huge arena where yeah. people are over here and over here and you have this other aspect to it. But I think I think um, I think we're just about at the at the end of um, most of what we were talking about. Have you got any? Just before we move on to uh, the last part of the podcast, Colette, have you got like anything else that you'd sort of like to add to what we've um, sort of been speaking about? Um, no, I think we covered a lot. I think that, you know, I think this gives people a good idea of what our sport is about. And I think it also gives them a little bit of that almost assurance that, you know, anyone can start to play the sport. It's not, you don't have to be very good. You can just have a hit and probably yeah. enjoy it from the get go. And, um, and yeah, it's, um, you know, it's definitely worth trying. So I really hope that we persuaded a couple of people to have a go. Yeah, and, and and all the people, yeah, I think, like, that's that's a great point. Like, it's a really simple point, but I think it's very important that, you know, you people do just enjoy, they have a chance to enjoy something at any level they want to enjoy it at, yeah. which is, which is, which is uh, you know, any, any sport that can do that is always going to be inclusive of you know anybody and everybody and i mean that's yeah 100 percent. that's exactly one of the things i always especially like about squash you know is it's got that it's very very inclusive sport and um and but but thanks again like so much for um for jumping on the podcast colette it's been a real pleasure um have you got also a Lovely, relevant quote. Um, well, relevant, or just a quote that you a quote that you like um, that you'd like to let us um, sort of know about. Yeah, I do actually. Um, so I've got I've got this quote from Ben Hogan, who was a golf great, um, and the quote is: "As you walk down the fair grain of life, you must smell the roses, for you only get to play one round." And I think that that quote resonates a lot with me personally in in my life and and how you know it's important to sometimes stop when you're busy and really enjoy what you have and i think in the parts of 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 sport as well in relation to sport it's really really important to sometimes take the time and and if you are thinking about pursuing a sport if you are thinking about doing something that means something to you then taking the time to actually do it so for us we hope that that's squash that you give squash a go but whatever it is that i think you know, people have been, you know, really anxious to try. Just just go ahead and try it because, you know, we only get to live once, so yeah. <laughs> might as well enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great one. That's, like, absolutely perfect. And with that in mind, um, that's actually it for today, guys. Thanks so much for listening into our podcast yet again. Before we go, please leave your feedback as well as any suggestions for topics that you'd like us to discuss in any future episodes. Thanks again for listening to the Grow Business Podcast and we'll see you again soon. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Grow Your Business. Have a great day and we'll see you next time here at the Grow Your Business Podcast.